Good day, church. Our reading today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat battered by the waves was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. We are in week four of a sermon series called Diving In, studying stories of people with Jesus by bodies of water and seeing how in each of those stories Jesus invites us somehow into a deeper life of faith. In the first story, we went to the Sea of Galilee and Jesus invited us then into the peace that he offers in the storms of life. The second week, we went to the pool at Bethsaida, where Jesus invites us into the hope of new life before we ever know his name. Last week, we went to a well, and there Jesus invited us to see that one of the best ways to dive more deeply into faith is by sharing it with someone else. Today, we go back to the Sea of Galilee. How will Jesus invite us to dive more deeply today? Would you pray with me? Holy, holy God, help us today to step into this story, to walk around inside of it, to see you there, to find ourselves in it somewhere as well. Guide our hearts, guide our minds to meet you there. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock, our redeemer, and our refuge. Amen. Two women went to a department store, true story, One was the author, Anne Lamott, and the other was a longtime friend of hers. 
Anne was shopping for a new swimsuit. Her friend was in the process of going through chemotherapy and wanted to get out of the house, so Anne had gone to pick her up. She was in a wheelchair, and the prognosis was not looking promising. Anne pushed her friend to the swimsuit section and placed her somewhere outside those fitting rooms. And Anne started trying on the one-piece suits, wearing different options, finding fault with each one. She started trying them on and saying, oh, let's face it, she said to her friend, and I quote, my body parts don't line up anymore. I'm wide in all directions. A swimsuit can scarcely contain me. I meant to start working out after I had my son, but I kept finding more interesting things to do. And now I'm almost 60. I have no business being in the water like this. End quote. She was ready to give up on the whole thing. The whole situation was not what she wanted it to be. She was uncomfortable and thought it better to forget the whole trip and just go home. She had hoped it would be easier. And as Anne stood there worrying and questioning and fretting and not sure if she ever wanted to get in the water again, her friend looked at her and said flatly, and I quote, Honey, you don't have time. Believe me, life is short. Put on the darn swimsuit and get in the water and swim. Otherwise, oh, what you will miss. End quote. What a great line, an essential line. Anne wrote that she stood there in that lopsided swimsuit and looked at her friend in the wig in the wheelchair, and she was caught short. Her friend was right. She bought the swimsuit, whatever it looked like, and jumped in the water that summer, and it was worth Every minute. What she would have missed if she had waited until everything was right or just so or perfect or neat and tidy and all figured out. When she took her friend home that day, she thanked her. What could be said about getting the swimsuit could be said about much of life. If we waited until we had no more questions or were certain about everything or had no more doubts, there's a lot we would not do, like going to college, joining the military, getting married, having children, moving, starting a career. If we waited until everything was figured out and neat and tidy and like we wanted to be and certain and sure and not messy and just right, we would not do much living. And oh, what we would miss. The same is true of faith. If we waited to respond to God's grace after we had all our questions about God answered, no more mysteries, we'd probably put the whole faith, church, God, Jesus thing aside and go home put faith on the back burner, if we waited until real life and real faith were easy to hold in the same set of hands, 
and everything lined up like we wanted, we'd likely never give our lives to Christ and learn what it is to trust Him. And oh, what we would miss in not having a real, honest, messy, honest, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the best kind of relationship to have with Jesus. Today's story in the Gospel of Matthew invites us to embrace the messiness of faith, to put on the swimsuit and dive into it anyway as we are. And our story, Jesus tells the disciples to go across the Sea of Galilee. He will join them later. He wants to first tend to people on the shore and then tend to himself. The disciples head out. Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray. And by the time he comes down the mountain, it's late and the boat has drifted out far in the wind. So early in the morning, Jesus starts walking to join them and does so on the water. They don't know it's Jesus. They're frightened. Jesus immediately identifies himself and tells them not to be afraid. He walks on the water. On the water. Dr. Eugene Boring writes that when our modern ears hear this story, we think about gravity, right? And think walking on water is not scientifically possible, and we get stuck there. Dr. Boring writes that the people who would have heard this story in the first century would have heard it a little differently. The sea in that culture also stood for chaos and uncontrollable things in life, issues, problems, and the general mess of it all. It stood for anxiety, worry, and uncertainty, and symbolically, Jesus is walking on that, too. Whichever view you take, it's a miracle. If the water is meant to be water, or if the water is meant to be uncertainties and difficulties and chaos, Jesus conquers them both, or at least is present with the disciples in the midst of them. And one of the disciples, Peter, sees Jesus out there doing something he has never seen anyone do before, and the other 11 disciples see it too. Then Peter, all out, go big or go home, Peter wants to join him and says, if it's really you out there, Jesus, tell me to come to you on the water. The others don't say that. They were likely sitting in the boat thinking he was crazy. Don't do it, Peter. You can't do that. What in the world are you thinking? Jesus says to Peter, come. And Simon Peter gets out of the boat. He puts on the darn suit, so to speak, and dives in and starts walking with Jesus on top of all that water. And then he notices the storm, the wind, the problems, the chaos, and is afraid, overwhelmed, and starts to sink. He asks Jesus to save him, and Jesus immediately does and says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
the two of them climb in the boat and they all worship Jesus. This story is the epitome of what faith looks like in a disciple in the Gospel of Matthew. Each Gospel writer has a different model for it. In the Gospel of John, disciples are sisters and brothers of Jesus. In the Gospel of Mark, disciples are said to have no faith. In the Gospel of Luke, they have great faith. And the Gospel of Matthew falls somewhere in between. In Matthew, little faith is the catchphrase. The disciples, him and haw, they're like students learning and growing. They point out problems and things that don't line up. They have trouble being certain and they worship nonetheless. They believe and they doubt at the same time. This model makes room for all of us to be disciples. Little faith. It says a disciple is one who follows Jesus and gets scared. A disciple is one who loves Jesus and asks questions. A disciple is one who serves Jesus and gets overwhelmed. One who worships and doubts. One whom Jesus invites into the mess of life with him. And that tension makes room for all of us. Little faith is not meant to be a derogatory term. Little faith is quite something. Perhaps it is the all-important size of a mustard seed. This model runs through the entire gospel of Matthew. And at the close of the book, in the last of chapter 28, there's a story in which the disciples gather with the now resurrected Jesus. And scripture says they worship and doubt even then. After all they've seen, after all the time they've spent with Jesus, And the Greek word used for doubt in that story is the same Greek word used in our story today. It does not mean disbelief. That word for doubt means uncertainty or indecisiveness. How did Jesus respond to their doubt? Did he scrap those disciples of little faith and finally get some who were far more certain of it all with their questions answered and their stuff sorted out? No. Jesus' response at the end of Matthew is to commission them, the lot of them. In what is known as the Great Commission, Jesus charges the disciples of little faith to go and make more disciples, more worshiping, doubting, realistic disciples of little faith. What do disciples of little faith look like today? Well, they look like my friend Deb. I remember the night 14 years ago on April 24th, when we were gathered in the living room at a friend's house and she sat there in our small group Bible study that night and told us she felt that God was calling her to be a missionary. And we did not know what to say. She had a very secure career as a registered nurse and she was very good at it. Her life was steady and sure if she became a missionary. She didn't know how she would manage financially. 
She didn't know what would happen to her or her house or where she would live or where she would go. But she told us she could see Jesus out there in the world doing things she had never seen before and things she thought could not be done. And she wanted to join him, defying what others thought made sense. And she was saying to Jesus, if that's really you out there, tell me to come to you on the water. And the rest of us in that small group were sitting there thinking she was crazy. (laughs) Don't do it. What in the world are you thinking? You can't do that. What would you give up? She hemmed and hawed and tried to get everything to line up and couldn't and nothing could contain her questions. And there stood Jesus saying, honey, you don't have time. Life is too short. With your little faith, put on the swimsuit and dive in the water with me. Otherwise, oh, what you would miss. Come. And like Peter, she did. She got out of the boat of her nursing career and stepped into that messy water with Jesus and she would not trade it for the world. She's still out there on the water with him. She's now teaching virtually in Nicaragua. She has served in Haiti and Guatemala, Brazil, El Salvador, Cambodia, Chile, Slovakia, and more. And yes, finances are difficult. They always are, but somehow they work out. And like Peter, someday she walks with Jesus on the mess of the world. And like Peter, someday she watches the problems instead of Christ and gets overwhelmed, starts to sink and asks Jesus for help. And he's right there every time. And oh, the story she tells of seeing Jesus still doing things she has never seen anybody do before. She is so thankful she got in the water with Jesus. It's been worth every minute. And what would she have missed if she hadn't? Disciples of little faith look like John Wesley, too. He's that unwitting founder of Methodism. He's famous for what's called an Aldersgate experience, when he had a profound assurance of faith on May 24th, 1738. And he wrote in his diary, and I quote, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me, end quote. He's famous for that, and not so famous for the much lesser known part of the story and what comes next that about two weeks later, on June 6th, he wrote in his diary that he questioned everything all over again. I quote, Oh God, he wrote, save me and all that are weak in the faith from doubtful disputations. His experience of faith shaped his theology and his experience shaped ours as Methodist too. Wesley believed that faith is a process of ups and downs, certainty and questions, and little faith is a gift as we worship and doubt and grow. A couple of things jump out in the story at me today. It strikes me that 11 disciples stayed in the boat. That's the vast majority. 
Many of us may be more comfortable with them not taking those risks like Peter. It also strikes me that what Jesus says to Peter is you of little faith, why did you doubt? Not don't doubt, Peter, but why did you? As if to say, come on, Peter, don't you know me by now? I'm here. I've got you. Trust me. Maybe some of us have little faith, too. Thanks be to God if you do. You are in good, holy company. We follow Jesus and get scared. We love Jesus and ask questions. We serve Jesus and get overwhelmed. Some days we worship and some days we doubt. And some days, like the disciples in the Gospel of Matthew, we do both at the same time. We may think we have no business believing in God like this. When one day things are fine and one day things are not. Peter certainly had problems with it too. And then he'd trust Jesus again. If we wait to put our faith in Jesus until all our questions are answered, we miss the meaning of trust. If we think we have God all figured out, then we have probably put the God of the universe in a box that God was never intended to inhabit. For God is God and we, we're not. Trust is beautiful and messy. And it does not mean all our questions get answered. What it means is that God is with us and loves us. And nothing can take that away. God is with us whether we stay in the boat or whether we take the risk and get out and join Jesus on the water. When the story continues, the disciples land on the shore. They all get back to work beside Jesus. And by the power of God's grace, they are healing the sick comforting those who are afraid and ministering to many in a messy life and faith with Jesus. And that, I think, is the bigger point. Brothers and sisters, life is short. Dive into faith. Questions and all. Trust Christ. Otherwise, what you will miss, not swimming and walking this life with Jesus. Amen and amen.